0: Welcome to EventUp, the place where people enthusiastic about events stay in the know on the latest trends within the events industry. Live, hybrid, and virtual experiences. From virtual events to conferences, award galas, and everything in between. Here's your host, Amanda Ma.
1: Welcome to Event Up, the place to get the latest and greatest in the event industry news, ideas, and topics. In this episode, we will be discussing everything from branding, creative development, to experiential marketing. Today, I'm joined by Lucy Chang, Senior Brand Manager of Hendrix Gin at William Grant & Sons. Lucy is a marketing leader and general manager who leads brand end-to-end from strategy to creative development and comes to PR and experiential to innovation and to retail. She has worked on everything from completely new to the world brands to well-established icons, preliminary in the CGB and beverage space. She's led brands like ClearSell, KY, Coors Light, Seagrams. Bee feeder Jin, and most recently Hendrix Jin. During her time on Hendrix, she helped the brand reach the half a million case milestone and earned many industry awards like the Impact Blue Chip Award and the Impact Hot Bread Award. That's so amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks so much. And uh, thank you for having me on. This is so great. So I always love asking this question first. Let's start with how did you get started in this industry? Okay,
0: so I had a bit of a circuitous path to marketing and brand management. So as an undergrad, I studied business, uh, always enjoyed marketing, and I did a marketing internship my junior year at Chase Bank in their credit card division. But I found it so boring that it actually turned me off from marketing. So not knowing what I wanted to do, I did what any young person in that position would do. I went into management consulting because I heard, you know, you get to try so many different things and you don't really have to pick any one thing to focus on. So I did that for a bit, that also led to corporate strategy, and both of those positions were in the financial services industry again. And once again, I found that I was not passionate about it. I found it really dull, I found it really dry, and I just spent many years trying to figure out what was the career path for me. So then I finally decided to go back to business school to kind of reset and I thought I might, you know, work in the media industry because I'm a big consumer of media. And, um, but when I landed a brand management internship at Coors Light in Chicago, I, you know, initially wasn't sure about it. Uh, wasn't sure if marketing was for me, given my previous experience. But I was always interested in the food and beverage industry. So I decided, hey, why not give it a shot? And to my surprise, I ended up loving it. So, you know, eight years later, I ended up coming full circle back to marketing after I initially rejected it. And, um, you know, since then, I, that's what I've been doing ever since. And I've come to realize that what I ma- market really matters to me. So, I like working on tangible products that you can see in stores that have an impact on people's lives. And I realized that's that's what motivates me.
1: I love that because that's a little bit different. You know, a lot, some people actually know exactly what they want to do when they get out of college or the moment they were born. I was also a marketing major, but, you know, I, I actually love to share when people don't know exactly because that's true. A lot of people don't know. Right. There's so much so many statistics out there, too. Like a lot of people actually don't end up doing what they studied in college.
0: For sure. For sure. Yeah.
1: Well, I it took me a while, but I'm glad uh, I found marketing in the end. That's great. And you've yes, spent many years in the beverage industry. What brought you to this sector in particular?
0: Yeah. So, you know, I've always been interested in this industry. And I think what it is for me is that I think consumer connection is really important. And I what I love about the beverage industry is that There is um, so much consumer connection and engagement with the products people identify with what they drink, it says something about them. They want to learn more about the product they want to visit the brewery or vineyard or distillery, you know, and I think there's such a rich culture and history and tradition. and, you know, every country has a national drink. Every country has a way to say cheers. It's it's very much part of that uh, culture and that tradition. So those are some of the things that I love about the
1: industry. And how about some trends? You know, especially I, I feel like branding and marketing is it evolves continuously, right? What are some trends you're seeing in this space, but particularly yeah,
0: for sure, Um, certainly a lot of trends out there.
1: I'm gonna
0: take this question a little differently. Uh, while I do see a lot of brands chasing trends, whether that is, you know, AR or ChatGPT or celebrities, um, I think that, you know, a lot of brands do that without really considering how it fits into their brand and how it fits into what they're already known for. So, you know, I think if you do that long enough, um, you lose your brand identity and you end up diluting your message. And an example of that was, you know, earlier in my career, i worked on ClearCell, uh, you know, the teen uh, acne brand. So it used to be an iconic brand, um, but when I joined, it was in a really challenging situation. It had been on the decline for no joke, I think, fifteen years. And when I was on it, we did a big strategic analysis to figure out what was the issue, and we realized that over the years, Clarisonic had been chasing trends, um, which at that time was all about uh, being natural and being gentle in the skincare space, and that just isn't what ClearCell was about. Um, So its message of being tough on acne was diluted and there was no way it was going to compete in that natural and gentle space. So um, we ended up doing a big repositioning of the brand. And instead of trying to compete with natural and gentle, we really regrounded the brand in Our strength, which is being medicated, being an acne expert, highlighting our active ingredients. And um, that, along with many other changes, big and small, that we did, we managed to stabilize the brand and get it back to growth. So uh, I would say, you know, while I think definitely staying relevant with culture is important, I would just caution many brands to be careful and just constantly chain chasing the new trends in case it ends up diluting um what they're really strong at and what they're really about
1: so interesting i don't think i've heard that yet on this podcast so thank you for sharing that thank especially you. i love case studies <laughs> I think I think I could
0: make a good like business school case study if anyone wants to <laughs> ask me to write it.
1: I would be. I just submitted that Harvard Business Review. I feel like they're always looking. Yes, right? please call me Harvard <laughs> Business Review. <laughs> and what is one project that you led at your company that you're excited about?
0: Yeah. So. Um, So for every year on Hendrix, uh, we launch a new limited release. So last year we launched a product called Hendrix Neptunia gin. It's a gin that's infused with coastal botanicals and it's inspired by the magic of the sea. Um, So for this new product, we obviously wanted to drive trial and awareness. Um, And to do that, we wanted to do something memorable that was also really going to communicate its proposition of being inspired by the sea uh, and the magic of the sea. So we kicked off with a big press moment. Um, Our agencies came up with this idea to do an experiential event to bring the magic of the sea to New York City. So we ended up taking over Um, this spa called Air Ancient Bats in Tribeca, and we did a full three-day pop-up and completely transformed the spa into this really magical, really unusual under-the-sea spa experience for press, for influencers, and for some lucky consumers. Um, I do want to give a shout out to the Momentum team who was our experiential agency for this event. They really brought this concept to life. Um, We basically, it's a bit hard to describe, but um, we started with the spa space and on the ground floor was the entrance and waiting area and the Level below is the spa space with a lot of pools. So for the ground floor, we ended up converting it into the seaside coastal environment. Uh, we brought in a bar in the shape of a ship um, where we serve classic Kendrick's cocktails. And then we had a sea captain engaging the audience. Um, and then the sea captain kind of took everyone on this journey down to the lower level and below the surface of the sea and uh, pass the audience along to this quick-witted joke-cracking shark who led the group to all of these uh, magical unusual sights. We had like an octopus reading tarot cards, we had a mermaid, a stone statue that came to life, a mer-people swim-up bar, Uh, Poseidon doing sound baths, sea creatures giving foot rubs. It was very um, different from your everyday life. And that's kind of what our brand is all about, kind of breaking free from the mundane and really embracing the unusual and the unexpected. And of course, we served a lot of delicious Hendrix cocktails. Um, And overall, um, it was a really great experience and definitely one that I'm really proud of. I think it was not only unique, but also really memorable and told a story that also connected back to the brand. Um, so that was one, I think, uh, that I'm really proud of.
1: And for those of you who haven't seen that case study, or you know, if you look up Vispash and enter what Lucy just mentioned, it's on Vispash. And I saw, I remember seeing this before Lucy and I got connected because of this podcast, and I was so mesmerized. Because it, it just looks amazing. I wish I was invited. Uh, but now I know you. So next time. Okay, next time. <laughs> I will fly, fly from Los, Los Angeles. But, you know, I was looking at the pictures online, like from the moment, even like the outdoor space, you already kind of started that engagement and that experience and walking in. I think one of my personal favorite from that event is the pit, ball pit that you guys Yes. Created it to kind of mimic the feel of the floating of the water. I thought that was genius. You know, oh, okay. and then yes. you guys have like the mystical mes- meditation. Like, I think being events, I just really appreciate things like that versus just meditation, but it's mystical meditation. It just sounds more fabulous. Yes, it was.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the yeah. it was uh, in response to, you know, unfortunately, due to legal liabilities, we couldn't have anyone actually, you know, in the pool. So we decided to, of mimic that experience with uh the ball pit instead, which was very fun.
1: And what did you think that made this project so successful?
0: I think it was just the um I think it was the story that we kind of told and um I one of the things that I really love about Hendrix is that it always tries to be different and and be um unique from anything you get in your kind of boring, normal, conventional life. So I think it always tries to push boundaries. Um, I think you also, you know, if you were at the event, experience all of like the little details that went into, you know, taking an event from being good to great, Um, like cucumbers are a big part of Hendrix because it's um Hendrix is infused with cucumbers and you would see like little you know cucumber gherkins hanging from the ceilings and you know they would be intertwined with the florals and some of those little touches um that I think is what makes an event really special and you know sticks in people's minds especially when there's so much you know brand stuff, marketing that people get hit with every day. And those, you know, not just the big moments, but the little touches is what helps make it really special and help make it really memorable.
1: Yeah, the storytelling, you know, and at the end of the day, it's about human to human connection. And I think I really appreciate when I was looking at the article, I really appreciated your quote as well. you mentioned for a century the sea, I'm just quoting you. <laughs> for a century, the sea has been associated with Near magical powers, and even today, we still turn to the sea for energy and rejuvenation. I love, love that. And the fact that, you know, when you hosted this idea about hosting a spa experience, right, for this new gin, it really blends that coastal botanical and citrus finish. And to me, like, if I got an invitation, that just says something like that. I was like, okay, I'm there. (laughs) But it just, I mean, it's not your typical, like, here, come to this event and try out the drink and have some dj and some decor and that's it you guys really made it truly immersive Mm -hmm.
0: yes and immersive Uh, in a way that you wouldn't get in your normal
1: everyday life oh a hundred percent yes my spa does not look like that (laughs) you know we talk about this a lot among the different agencies what makes a campaign from good to great yeah, I think that,
0: um, I mean, in this case, obviously, the event was for sure a star of the product launch, but, you know, it can't just be done uh, in isolation. So it has to work with a lot of other pieces in order to, you know, really drive that awareness and, you know, hit the hit our numbers, which is important at the end of the day. Um, so because it was, you know, only three days, it was only in New York, we wanted to, Um, make sure it had more broad reach. So we created a complimentary kit, uh, a magic of the sea spa kit that we sold online. And so consumers can buy it and kind of create um, a a mystical spa-inspired sea experience at home. Um, And then obviously to drive awareness of the new product, we had a paid media campaign, Uh, We also had an advocacy plan where we worked with influencers. We had brand ambassadors who uh, engaged with bartenders in key markets to introduce them to the product Um, and obviously all of the in-store and online components to drive sales at the end of the day. So uh, I think having that really holistic campaign with all of those components, um, but that they still ladder up to the same message. Um, So it's cohesive. It's consistent. You know, that's what makes um, a product successful at the end of the day. And um, in the end, uh, Hendrix Stamptunia ended up doing really well. We became, um, within a year of its launch, we became a top five SKU within super premium gin. And we, you know, beat out even you know, pretty established competitors that have been around for a long time. So happy with the results on that.
1: Congratulations on that success, yeah. especially in the alcohol, like, you know, just it's very competitive. Yes, it certainly is. <laughs> and I guess on the opposite end, what challenges do you see with event marketing in the broader marketing ecosystem?
0: Yeah, so I see kind of two main challenges for branded events. One is costs. So, um, you know, with COVID obviously being a down period for experiential, but after the crisis kind of faded away, you know, inflation went crazy, as everyone felt, the prices to produce these events from labor and raw materials. Uh, just skyrocketed. So I feel like I see more brands shifting away from these big scale consumer activations to more, you know, more focused events that are just for media or just for influencers um, in order to manage costs and ROI, which unfortunately is a shame because I think there's something so impactful that comes from consumers engaging directly with um, with brands through experiential Um, but it's just hard and then that leads to the second challenge which is it's just difficult to measure the impact of events like truly measure it and you know that's always a challenge if um you know if you're looking to cut costs or if you know uh, the leadership team feels like a recession is looming and it's harder to sometimes justify having these large-scale events. when it's a little bit harder to measure versus some other tactics. So, um you know, hopefully costs go down as inflation gets under control, but I think it it would be great if um we can figure out kind of just better ways to really capture the the full impact um that events have on brand
1: performance and brand health. It is it is definitely the hardest one, right? I think with digital it's like, "Oh, we made X amount of impression is all measurable, mm-hmm. but with events, you know, even with surveys, and even they rate ten out of ten, but what does that mean? Did we convert mm-hmm. them from an attendee to a fan to an advocate, right? And then from there, like, the, do they actually, if they're a fan, do they actually purchase, mm-hmm. right? Which okay. is the end result you want, so
0: right, and yeah. and maybe like the it doesn't translate to sales right away, but I really believe mm-hmm. in that longer term um, ROI and kind of lifetime value of that consumer who was, you know, touched by these amazing events. Um, but again, just so hard to quantify.
1: Yes, very hard in the, but in the sense that because it's so hard to quantify because it involves, but I think the fact that like people are there, they're fully immersed and you got their full attention, mm-hmm. right? Even they're on social media, they could be doing 10 other things, watching TV, talking with their family, yeah, you know, I could be doing social media right now. No. But, you know, at the event, it is saying like that connectivity is really amplified and I've seen it work in such bigger extent, right? Yeah, but someone needs to figure that out. that would be great. <laughs> and Freakness, I know, you, can yes, it I know, if someone could only figure that out. And you have worked across a number of different brands. What are some of your biggest learning in terms of making the brand stand the test of time?
0: Uh, Yes. So
1: in terms
0: of standing the test of time, I would say um, I think kind of going back to my previous example on ClearCell, it's you have to be a brand that really knows what you are and knows what you are not and be stay true to it as much as possible. Um, I think I definitely felt that with Hendrix as well. It's a brand that really embraces being quirky and unconventional and, you know, a little bit uh, old-fashioned. And I think it takes that approach uh, very consistently and it doesn't try to chase trends. It doesn't try to... Uh, be something it's not. Um, I have definitely seen the brand turn down many amazing opportunities and many things that would have generated uh, big short-term wins because it wasn't consistent with its um, long-term brand message. So I think that's some uh, one of the hardest things is to uh, turn down those big, um, you know opportunities, in in the short term um in deference to the stronger brand health in the future
1: so at the end of the day really staying true to the brand and mm-hmm. I also see well, when you're saying that I'm thinking wow like even almost being like your authentic self but for the brand right yes. not trying to be everybody else because that's trending right now
0: yes yes and um I think and with Hendrick, sometimes it it, you know, pokes fun a little bit of the current trends um, and kind of does it in its own way. Like we'd had previously kind of poked fun at the Peloton trend or like the overly complicated gaming chairs. Um, we have a whole department of not so convenient technologies. It's kind of our uh spin on um, let's hear some new gadget um, that instead of being overly complicated and overly tech, it encourages you to kind of step back and uh, relax and, you know, smell the roses and uh, be more in the moment.
1: In terms of, you know, what challenges do you see in terms of diversity within your industry? I think you and I kind of chatted a little bit beforehand about the diversity and just kind of how we continue to see that evolve or not evolve. What's your take on that? Yeah, I
0: think that, you know, companies are definitely taking it seriously, but I would say in wine and spirits in particular, it continues to be a challenge. Um, it definitely tends to over-index with men and with white men in particular. Um, uh, you know, as I was saying before, in my Last company, I was one of three Asian women in the US and the only one in marketing. Um, But I think beyond kind of racial or gender diversity, I think there's some other biases too. So in marketing and in in business and in marketing, and I think in particular, um, the alcohol beverage industry, there's definitely a skew towards certain personality types. I think that um, being seen as an introvert is seen as a bad thing. I think there's a tendency to uh, just assume that people who are very extroverted or very commanding or more aggressive tend to make for better leaders. And I, I personally don't believe that to be the case. Um, For example, if you look at Steve Jobs versus Tim Cook, they're very different types of leaders, but I would say they've both been very successful at making Apple what it is today. And um, so that's definitely a bias that in terms of what makes a good leader that I think exists. And it's definitely a bias that I'm passionate about challenging.
1: Yeah, I mean, it definitely exists. You know, even within entrepreneurs, we talk about that all the time, right? They say, "Oh, you know, if you're a better entrepreneur, if you're extrovert because we have to network a lot. We're always building on sales and leaders too. They talk about, but actually, a lot of phenomenal leaders, like you mentioned, are introverts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're oh, really? not, yeah. We
0: just have like a quieter style. Maybe it's a little bit more." consensus space versus I'm going to tell you exactly how you want to do it, um, how I want to do it. So I think we have to be a bit more open-minded to different personality types and styles as well. I don't think there's just a one-size-fits-all in terms of what
1: makes a good leader. Great. Thank you for sharing that. And you have certainly done very well in your professional, professionally, Right, you were featured at an event marketer of women events in 2022. So that was so amazing. What would you say, what are, I guess, tips for future generation or anybody that's looking to kind of amplify their professional career or even personal, what has helped you propel help your success?
0: Yeah, so um, I think for me, kind of going back to my original uh, story about how I got into marketing, for me, enjoying what I do really matters. Um, It's what drives me, it's what keeps me going. I think that if I had not made the switch into marketing, if I just kept working, you know, in finance, I could be, I might be working less and making more (laughs) and being less stressed, but I don't regret it. Um, And you know, I don't think that's the right decision for everyone. Not everyone has the luxury to choose, um, and other people might have different priorities. But for myself, I don't regret making the career change because now I'm I'm really passionate about what I'm doing, and that has made a huge difference for me.
1: I feel like I could tell because the whole time we're talking, you're smiling, and I love that. Like I, you know, you you kind of tell people love what they do or they don't, right? Yeah, sometimes it comes in the body language or sometimes, you know, so I think that's so interesting. And then how do you, how about self-care? Do you do anything to practice self-care, Lucy? Yeah, so
0: um, I have been drawing and sketching since I was a kid. Um, As an adult, I think I found that I just deprioritized it, said I didn't have time, Um, But more recently, I've started to actively try to make more time for it. So I started taking oil painting classes at uh, the Art Students League in New York. Uh, I try to make time to go to the Met Museum and sketch, um, which is an activity that I find really soothing. So um, I also think it's good to have a hobby that you can actually get better at, as much as I like to think that I'm a pro at going out to eat, it's not really a hobby because, you know, it's not something you can really get better at uh, versus painting. You can, you know, continue to develop and hone your skills and and make progress. And that's also really fulfilling.
1: For all the foodies out there, <laughs> they they might disagree. No, i just kidding. They might but, disagree. <laughs> like I could get better at eating. <laughs> curating my palette. no i i am
0: a pretty good i'm pretty good at ordering i have to say so <laughs> maybe that is a skill that can be refined
1: great whatever works <laughs> that's great do you have any additional advice you want to share with the audience lucy Yeah, I would say, you know, I think
0: I'm definitely still learning many things, still making lots of mistakes, still figuring things out. I think if I were to kind of go back and, uh, you know, some things I might have just tweaked, I would have maybe taken more risks, um, could have maybe advocated for myself better at times. Um, But more importantly, I think that I could have done better at trusting my gut more. Um, I tend to be overly analytical as a person, and I don't always listen to the little voice that you know is inside all of us. And um, I actually read uh, Matthew McConaughey's book recently. Have you read it?
1: No. Is it good? It's-
0: Pretty good. Uh, it's a bit all over the place, but that seems to be his personality. Uh, it was actually quite good. And one of the things that struck me was you know, obviously, he has been extremely lucky and very fortunate in his career. Um, but I think that one thing he does very well is that he's very good at listening to his heart or his gut, he's very good at listening to himself. Um, and, you know, for example, in college, he had never done any acting or theater, but he suddenly gets inspired to tell stories and suddenly he switches to become a film major. Um, you know, he's feeling lost in his career and isn't sure about himself, and he has these literal dreams about floating down the Amazon and he goes and does it. Um, then he feels like he wants to wander, and then he runs like a trailer and goes wandering across the country and <laughs> unfortunately we can't all do that but i think one big takeaway for me is like to try and just listen to myself more and kind of recognize warning signs or recognize you know um more situations that i feel like aren't exactly right and um and listening to that inner voice a little bit more um i think could could go a long way for someone like me who tends to be you know overly rational and overly analytical
1: I think a good blend is always good right like trusting your gut it's like you know it and then when it happens you're like ah I knew this (laughs) don't you hate it when that happens you're like oh man I already knew I shouldn't have done that (laughs) it's like when I volunteer for something and I was like oh wait you know, I should put my hand down, not volunteer, but you just your hand just goes up and you're like, wait a minute.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. And I think also as women, we also have a tendency to like feel like to do what's you know expected of us, to do what our family wants or what our friends want, um, and to do what society wants instead of like what you really want. So I think that's just something, you know, partially societal as well.
1: Yeah it's funny that you mentioned that because yesterday I was with a group of entrepreneurs and we were talking and kind of sharing updates and someone made an observation say, Hey, Amanda, like everything you share is about someone else. How about you? Like, how are you doing? And I was just like caught off guard, you know, because a lot of what we do is like, yes, my company, my family and my friends. Right. And I'm like, yeah, how am I doing? And I took a moment to just kind of, do a te- quick check, you know? So that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this was amazing. Thank you so much, Lucy, for joining us today. And for those of you that are tuning in, if you have any question or interested in getting connected with her, what is the best way to get in touch with you?
0: Yeah, um, well, you can find me on LinkedIn. There are a fair amount of Lucy Chuns, um, but you can find me at linkedin.com slash in slash Lucy X cheng that's lucy x as in xylophone Uh, my that's my middle initial and cheng c-h-e-n-g
1: wonderful thank you again for joining us until next time thanks lucy thanks so much attention all corporate visionaries and business leaders are you ready to elevate your events to new heights and leave a lasting impression on your audience look no further than the dynamic team here at Innovate Marketing Group, your partners in unforgettable corporate experiences. At Innovate Marketing Group, we understand that every event is an important opportunity to showcase your brand's essence and foster meaningful connections. Whether it is a product launch conference, an influencer marketing event, company retreat, company anniversary, or an exclusive executive summit, we got the expertise to make it a big success. Visit our website at InnovateMKG.com and explore our track record of excellence. Check out some of our portfolio. Witness how we have transformed ordinary gatherings into extraordinary milestones. Step two, reach out to our team of expert event strategists by dialing 626 817 Let's discuss your objectives and aspirations for your upcoming event. Sit back and relax as we design a tailor-made event plan that aligns seamlessly with your brand's identity and resonates with your audience. Watch and awe as your event unfolds flawlessly, leaving your audience inspired, engaged, and eager for more. But wait, there is more! For a limited time, we're offering a complimentary event assessment for the first 10 callers, an exclusive opportunity to unlock the full potential of your next corporate gathering. So seize the opportunity to make your mark in the corporate world. Let Innovate Marketing Group be your strategic ally in creating events that drive success and leave a lasting impact. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to crafting a memorable event experience with you.
0: Thank you for listening. Tune in next time on Event Up.